Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The first anniversary of January 6, 2021. One year ago today, in this sacred place, democracy was attacked. Simply attacked. There's still a lot we do not know about Omicron. Booster shots are free, they're safe, and available. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Friday. Lots to talk about. We have got a lot to talk about. Uh, starting out with the Supreme Court, it is uh, interesting what some of these justices can come up with. Um, Sotomayor, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. First of all, she is rude. I listened to most of the oral arguments. And by the way, it went three hours and 20 minutes, I believe. It was over three hours. Now, normally with oral arguments, each side is allocated 40 minutes. And usually one side gets up and uh, they'll go for 20 minutes and then they'll save their additional 20 minutes for a rebuttal after the other side decides what they want to say. Uh, and then you can decide how long you're going to, the justices can ask as many questions as they want. So normally you might see 20 minutes, one side, 20 minutes, the other side, then you'd have the rebuttal. And then there's questions along the way. And then at the end, the justices can dive in for more questions. Well, so on average, maybe you might go two hours, three hours and 20 minutes is a long time, uh, which there was a lot of questions asked. Interestingly, as I listened to it, I didn't get a real feel of, okay, which way is this going to turn? Which Is this highly likely to be defeated, or is it, is it got a potential? And again, it's uh, the, um, the suit is that OSHA does not have the right to enforce the Biden mandate that you have to be vaccinated or be tested on a weekly basis. Uh, interestingly, even the New York Times came out today and uh, told its readers that uh, it doesn't look good for OSHA and Joe Biden. Uh, members of the Supreme Court, this is from the New York Times, members from the Supreme Court's conservative majority seem skeptical on Friday that the Biden administration has the legal power to mandate that the nation's large employers require workers to be vaccinated against the coronavirus or to forego frequent testings. A federal workplace safety law they indicated during the two-hour argument, did not provide legal authority for the sweeping emergency measure. Now, a lot of that, they said, was because, you know what? Congress has never attempted to pass anything on this, so why should the court intervene, which is a valid argument for the conservatives. The um, arguments on Friday, um, again, uh, went three hours and 40 minutes, according to Fox News. The justices heard oral arguments, and uh, in the earlier part of the arguments, John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch suggested that the government officials had overstepped, with Roberts declaring it's hard to argue that officials had been given the power to act by Congress, just as Brett Kavanaugh also noticed Congress had yet to pass any type of vaccine statute. statute. This is something that the federal government has never done before, Chief Justice Roberts said. Amy Coney Barrett went on to suggest that one of the problems with the rule was its broad scope, while Justice Clarence Thomas suggested that the federal government may have greater powers during the pandemic. But liberal justices on the bench made it clear on Friday they would back the federal mandates 
at least as applied to larger businesses. The federal court has the option of issuing a brief administrative order on whether to stay enforcement of the mandate, which could come as early as today. Today was uh, January 7th was the day this was supposed to kick in. More likely, they'll they'll probably come out with a ruling, if not today over the weekend, uh, they will come out with a explanation uh, probably a few weeks down the road. Does the federal government object to our taking a couple of days to think about this and to digest the argument, Samuel Alito asked. The attorney representing the uh, DOJ, Solicitor General, argued that OSHA found there is grave harm every day and that the numbers are stark, but later said if the court believes it needs time, go ahead and take the time, which was so big of you. (laughs) Thank you for not telling the Supreme Court how they must act. So you have uh, 62.3% of the population, apparently, is um, vaccinated, fully vaccinated, which means they've had the vaccine and they had the booster. Now consider, that's of the total population. So eliminate the kids, eliminate anybody under the age of, say, 16, And that percentage is going to probably jump up closer to 82%, maybe 85%. What was interesting was um, one of the questions that came up, this is uh, cut one, Clark. One of the questions that came up in the hearing was from Samuel Alito. And he was asking the um, representative of the Biden administration, the attorney for the Biden administration, well, who exactly are we protecting here? Because if you come out and say that the vaccines really work well, then what did the vaccinated have to worry about? In other words, okay, they're vaccinated. You say these vaccinations work well. So who are the unvaccinated protecting? Now, she went on to say, well, they might be protecting other unvaccinated people. But Alito went on to say, well, they've got other options. And in fact, the unvaccinated, if they're worried, they can go out and get vaccinated. Interestingly, I never heard, I listened to most of it, I never heard anybody bring up the natural immunity argument. But this is the give and take between Samuel Alito and um, the representative, the attorney for the uh, Defense Department. One of the risks that OSHA was guarding against here was the the risk that unvaccinated workers pose to other workers because they are so much more likely to transmit to this other, disease to them. To other what type of workers? To other va- to vaccinated workers? Yes, the grave danger finding. I thought was based the secretary disclaimed workers. that. Yeah, the grave danger finding is limited to unvaccinated workers right, who are so far that's more likely to contract it from us. their coworkers that's as well. That's not a concern for us, is it? We can't sustain this on that ground, that this is helpful to the vaccinated workers because the unvaccinated workers present a risk to them. Oh, to be clear, uh, they present a risk to other unvaccinated workers who, are, who might be older, who might have of, other all comorbidities. Of whom have balanced the risks differently, maybe very foolishly, but they want to balance the risks presented to their health in a different way. And OSHA says, no, you can't do that. And that applies when you're on the job and also when you're not on the job and for the rest of your life because you have to take these vaccines. So basically, and he's saying, okay, 
if the vaccinated people are safe, then what are we fearful of? Because the unvaccinated are just going to hurt other unvaccinated. And if the unvaccinated are worried, they can go out and get vaccinated. Or maybe they have natural immunity. Or maybe they just aren't that concerned about it. There was other questions that were asked that were interesting, such as, has the has OSHA ever done anything like this before? And the answer to that was, no, not really. The other question, too, was, okay, now you're applying this to people for them to work at a some sort of business with 100 employees or more. But has OSHA ever implemented something onto the worker that would affect them 24-7? The answer to that is no. In other words, if you're going to force these people to get vaccinated, it doesn't just affect them at work. It affects them at home. It affects them you know, the other 16 hours each day. And the answer to that was no. All in all, and again, as I as I listened to the oral arguments, it, it, to me it wasn't breathtaking that, oh boy, the Biden administration doesn't have a shot at this. But a lot of the talking heads and a lot of the people that follow the Supreme Court a lot closer than I do, many of them came out and said, nah, this is done. Now, the one question I, I have is, concerning john roberts because oftentimes john roberts in the oral arguments he sounds real conservative and then you see his opinion and it comes out and you're like shocked and then the other individual might be amy Amy coney barrett but uh, again the way her questioning went and john roberts for that matter it sounded very much like they were uh, leaning toward ruling against the biden administration Justice Sonia Sotomayor, as I said at the top of the program, the woman is just rude. I mean, there were times during the oral arguments, she would jump in and interrupt other justices trying to, in their line of questioning, and sometimes right in the middle of their question. She did that, she did that numerous times. Once or twice, she backed off and says, oh, excuse me. But some of the times she didn't. I, I, I was shocked. The lack of decorum. But was it even more bizarre? Some of the things that she said during the oral arguments on the mandate, private businesses for employees to either be vaccinated or frequently tested, Sotomayor drastically overstated the number of young people who have fallen severely ill from the coronavirus. She said, I quote, we have hospitals that are almost full at full capacity with people people severely ill on ventilators. We have, I quote, we have over 100,000 children, which we have never seen before in serious condition, many of them on ventilators, 100,000. The truth of the matter is, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, The seven-day average for children in hospitals, 3,700. That's national numbers, 3,700. She's saying 100,000. Not not even close. Now, um, now we're going to be, as um, Joe Concha said earlier today on Fox News, where are the fact-checkers? Do you think that's going to make NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC? I don't think so. 
Can you imagine if Brett Kavanaugh had said something that offline as in in any case that he would say something that far from the truth? He'd be skewered. Inexcusable for a SOTUS justice to peddle this fear-mongering false information, the Houston Institute Rebecca Heinrich wrote. It's actually terrifying that a Supreme Court justice can be so misinformed. The emperor has no clothes, Ron DeSantis, Press Secretary Christina Persalk chimed in. Yeah, somebody just texted me, are there 3,700 patients total? on ventilators right now. I don't know the answer to that. But there's certainly not 3,700 kids in the hospitals, not 100,000, but yeah, are any of those 3,700 on ventilators? I don't think so. The Supreme Court, uh, in the oral arguments that they heard, uh, also heard from Stephen Breyer. He argued that hospitals are at full capacity because of the disease, specifically due to unvaccinated individuals getting ill. That is not true. Hospitals are almost full to the point of maximum. That is not true. At one point, now I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he had the Joe Biden slip of the tongue on this. At one time, he said that just yesterday, there were 750 million new cases. There's only 330 million people in the United States. So everybody got it two and a half times, and they all got it yesterday. But listen, Sotomayor, to come out and say the goofy things that she has said, I mean, it's malfeasance. It's either deliberate lying or it is a reflection of an individual who is so incompetent they need to permanently recuse themselves from any... I mean, this woman was nominated because she met the liberal intersectionality criteria as well as liberal ideology. And if not for that, who knows what this woman would be doing right now? It wouldn't be on the Supreme Court, I can tell you that. She was an Obama appointee, as you probably already know. I just, wow. So, yeah, a good question by Samuel Alito. If the vaccinations are, uh, if the vaccinated are safe because they've been vaccinated, why do we need, why do we need to go any further? And, you know, one of the arguments that the, um, that the the people who are working against the mandate, um, the attorney for them made was, this is, this is going to be devastating for business. And we've all already seen a number of people who have said, okay, I'll quit. I mean, there are a number of people out there that are so concerned. And by the way, uh, one of the questions, I think it was John Roberts that brought up this question. He asked, okay, uh, wait a minute. Are there not dangers from the vaccine? And uh, the woman who was representing the uh, DOJ, let me get her your name here, Elizabeth uh, Prelogger, who is the Solicitor General, at first, she said, no, 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 no. And uh, then she was pushed a little bit. So, wait, wait a minute. You know, there are, there, there's no issues with this vaccine. It's, it's totally safe. And when she began to get pressed a little bit, she, well, you know, there's some outliers. There's a few situations that are very, very rare. Well, if they were very, very rare, you wouldn't have a lot of Americans saying, look, 
I don't trust it. And it's not worth my life to potentially have some heart issue. I mean, we've had blood clot issues. We've had uh, women in childbearing years that question is, will they be able to bear children after this? There are a lot of issues out there. And um, if there weren't issues, you wouldn't have this pushback by so many people. So uh, the Biden administration is going to be interested to see what happens again. We will probably hear something from the Supreme Court within the next 48 hours. Uh, we're not going to hear an explanation. It'll probably be you know, three or four sentences at most with their decision on whether or not they will stay the uh, OSHA from their mandates. And uh, within coming weeks, we'll have a long explanation, I suppose. Stay with us. More news and views for a Friday coming right up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. It is News and Views for a Friday. Friday, January the 7th. A lot of guys will be interested in this. Today is National Pass Gas Day, a.k.a. Eric Saul Walwell's uh, birthday. I'm old and I honestly don't That was me, folks. <laughs> Where did you get that, Clark? <laughs> oh, my producer is quick. Anyway, uh, if you got to pass gas, go outside. Tonight, clear and cold. Man, maybe they won't be going outside. Low around 22. Tomorrow, sunny. And high around 43. Uh, tomorrow night, mostly clear. Low around 29. Sunday is the uh, pretty day uh, that's going to pop up in the middle of a lot of other cold weather. Uh, Sunday's high is going to be in the mid-60s with lots of sunshine. And then showers come in Sunday night, and it gets cold again on Monday. So yesterday, as we were going off the air, Carolina Journal broke the story concerning whether the Supreme Court Justice Sam Jimmy Irving IV will be recused or recuse himself from the upcoming legal fight over the new election maps, which, again, next Tuesday, the Superior Court, which is comprised of one Democrat, two Republicans, they will issue their decision. Then pretty much immediately, this case will go to the Supreme Court. Now, yesterday we were going off, we found out that someone was asking Sam Irvin, the fourth, to recuse himself from this case. I think Benny made the comment, it's a little odd that uh, anybody would ask this after we just went through the process in the NAACP versus Moore case, which deals with voter ID and the tax cap. They asked two justices that were Republicans to remove themselves from that case. Uh, As it turns out, and again, the story had just broken, and we might have inferred to you some wrong information last night, but we were sort of doing this on the fly. Uh, it was actually the legislative defendants that uh, requested this. It came through the legislative, the Republican legislative attorney, Phil Stratch, and he is the one that is making this request of Sam Irvin the Fourth. Now, I talked to 
Representative Ralph, or, uh, Senator Ralph Heiss from up in Mitchell County. Senator Heiss is one of the individuals that was the chair of the Senate that dealt with the maps. Now, on the House side, the chair was um, Representative Hall from Caldwell County. And one of the things I hadn't mentioned up to now is that on the House side, they drew the House maps. On the Senate side, drew the state Senate maps and the congressional maps. Now, if you have been following the case, at one point, Representative Hall from Caldwell County had said that he had drawn some what he called concept maps, which is basically, and I mean, these are my words, not his, but basically these concept maps were just prototypes. They were things that he was just drawing up and he he had some help from some people, but he's, you know, okay, what if we did this? What if we did that? And he said they were inconsequential. They were just sort of brainstorming, putting pencil to paper. Well, the liberal press, including the News and Observer, is saying, oh, look at this. Call, uh, this this uh, Representative Hall, Dustin Hall from, from Caldwell County, he's a liar. He said they were transparent, and now, oh, he threw away maps that, you know, these, this could really be something. You know, it's it's nothing. But it's typical of liberals, they try to they try to burn you at the stake. I, I, you know, I mean, how many of us doodle? We've got a project, and so we begin the project by some sort of doodling. Well, maybe this was a little bit beyond doodling, but when uh, the, the guy was in charge, he was brainstorming, and he had some help brainstorming. But they, as he said, they were inconsequential. Anyway. They have asked Sam Irvin to recuse himself. Now, we mentioned yesterday, well, this this is a little odd that you had uh, another case where two Republicans were asked to recuse himself. Granted, this is a different case. And one of the things that um, Representative, the attorney, Phil Stratch, said was in, in this article in the Carolina Journal was, okay, this is going to affect his race. He's up for reelection. And twice before, in similar cases, Supreme Court justices have recused themselves from similar cases in the past. Um, one dep- uh, represent- uh, one included uh, Robin Hudson when she was up for re-election. And uh, I don't see the other name as I'm skimming through this, this article, but th- th- that it happened twice. Uh, one was once with Hudson and once earlier, uh, even prior to that, where, again, uh, Supreme Court justices said, OK, it's uh, I'm going to recuse myself. Now, I asked Representative or, or Senator Heiss earlier today, well, is this really going to affect Sam Irvin? Because he, he's running for a statewide office and uh, we're talking about maps that deal with the House, the state Senate and, and Congress. And uh, Senator Heiss rightly said, well, yeah, but remember also this is dealing with delaying people signing up to run for office. Because, And by the way, related to that, uh, there was an actually appeal today from the State Board of Election asking a three-judge panel to set the – can you remember they had the – back in December, uh, if you wanted to um, sign up to run for office – 
that had started. Some people had signed up. Then the Supreme Court intervened and said, no, we're going to stop that. And uh, the opportunity to uh, the filing period uh, won't be until the spring. Well, now the North Carolina State Board of Elections is asking a three-judge panel to set set, uh, February 24th as the new start date of the new candidate filing period for the 2022 elections. But Senator Heiss made the made the point, okay, well, wait a minute. Part of what the Supreme Court is doing in this case is they're changing the dates that you can sign up. So and 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 you might say, oh, well, that's a long shot. But no, no, stop and think about it. I mean, if someone um wanted to run against Sam Irvin and he is involved in manipulating the dates that you can sign up to run against Sam Irvin. Uh, that, that might be an argument that uh, there is a conflict of interest there. It might, might not be a strong conflict of interest, but it is there. So anyway, they're asking Sam Irvin to uh, go ahead and uh, recuse himself. Now, again, that will be up to him. Twice before, Supreme Court justices have voluntarily done just that. So we'll see where that goes. But he's going to have to decide quickly. And if he does decide to recuse himself, if he does decide that's the right thing to do, it's going to be a 3-3 tie. So if the three Democrats vote against the maps and the three Republicans say, no, the maps can stand, where do you go from there? I would assume that it would go back to the previous court, the Superior Court, in which there is two Republicans and one Democrat. And, of course, they jumped over the Court of Appeals. Now, the Court of Appeals, I can't remember what the number is, but it was even a stronger number of Republicans on the Court of Appeals than Democrats. We'll see where it goes. Um, Anyway, that will be the Superior Court will have their decision on Tuesday, and then uh, it will go over to the uh, the Superior Court. Carolina Journal is reporting a new year ushers in new laws in North Carolina. One of those laws is Senate Bill 473, Enhance Local Government Transparency. Perhaps they should have named this the Rocky Mountain Mayor Pro Tem Andre Knight Bill. The bill bans public officials from gaining financially from their position. They can be charged with a felony if they do so. The law also prohibits public officials who serve on nonprofit boards from voting to award contracts to those organizations. Uh, It's rather amazing that we had to have a bill passed in the House and the Senate and signed by the governor for what ought to be blatantly obvious to at least be unethical and improper, if not illegal. Jordan Roberts of the John Locke Foundation said, surprisingly, there was very little on the books in terms of laws prohibiting local government officials from abusing their power. Maybe that's because it was pretty obvious that such such action is corrupt, illegal, wrong, and needs to be punished. I mean, if you're doing those kind of things, and and again, okay, maybe awarding contracts, but again, conflict of interest, I mean, I guess there was a time and a day, and, and maybe people are going to say, oh, Lamprecht, you're naive, that the people actually had the right character issues in their life that they wouldn't need laws. You know, the more irresponsible we become as a society, the more you have to define laws with a fine-tooth comb. Because people, people are, do their best 
to dance around the law to see if I can legally get away with it, legally get away with something that I know is improper. The measure followed an audit released in May that found several Rocky Mount officials had prevented the city utility payment office from trying to collect $47,704 that Mayor Pro Tem Andre, 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 I'll get it right, Andre Knight owed in the past utility bills. $47,000 in utility bills. How many years did this go on? Wow. Another interesting article uh, that John Locke had uh, come out today, which I, I found rather fascinating, was um, state population change and how Americans have voted with their feet, moving away from higher tax states to lower tax states like North Carolina. So you look at the states that lost population over the last uh, year. This is just in one year. And um, California, North Dakota, probably because it's so blasted cold up there, New York, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Illinois, Mississippi, and Louisiana, they were the 10 states that lost the most. There was other states that lost, but they lost the most. The states that gained the most, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, Idaho, and Montana. And I guess Montana is just as cold as North Dakota. But uh, again, most of the states that lost were controlled by Democrats. Most of the states that gained were controlled by Republicans. Now, in North Carolina, we've got a Democrat governor, but we've got a uh, legislature that is obviously uh, controlled by the Republicans. They also talked about the fact that uh, no matter the politics, voters care about kitchen table issues. That is, they care about whether their lives are flourishing or dominated by worry and uncertainty. And uh, Joe Biden did not do well. I mean, he, the, the basic scorecard, and, and they grade him as you would grade a school child, A to, a to F. On the coronavirus, well, lo, let me give you the independence. For Republicans, they gave Joe Biden an F in every category except for the stock market, which, frankly, Joe didn't have a whole lot to do except for the Fed policy. And Joe supposedly didn't have anything to do with Fed policy. But um, when you look at independence, the categories were coronavirus, economy, helping your wallet, the stock market, jobs, healthcare costs, infrastructure investments, helping the middle class, raising wages, helping working parents afford child care. Every one of those independents gave Joe Biden a D. Republicans gave him an F in everything but the stock market. On that, they gave him a D. Democrats didn't give him any A's at all. They were all B's and C's. Joe's done. Joe is done. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views for a Friday right after this.
fact and news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the shift in population over the last year. You know, one of the things that's interesting is a lot of people are saying, okay, Texas is the wild card. Now, Texas, their population did go up by uh, 1.3% just last year. And stop and think about how big Texas is. That's that's a lot of people that showed up to Texas. <laughs> a lot of them left California to get there. But, and yes, many of the people that are leaving California, not all, but many, I mean, it'd be interesting to find out what, what is the percentage of liberals versus conservatives. I mean, liberals ruin a state and they move somewhere else and they ruin that state too. But um, in late October of last year, Texas Hispanic Policy Foundation conducted a uh, public opinion survey of 1,400 Texans, all registered voters, but that included over 600 Texas Hispanics. The survey results reveal that more Texas Hispanics support than oppose four out of five of the border border security policies that have been implemented by Greg Abbott. And uh, twice as many Texas Hispanics, 51%, support rather than oppose 25% the Texas policy of having Department of Public Safety officers and local law enforcement arrest immigrants who cross the border illegally. So, you know, there, there is this thought by the Democrats, and I've said this for some time, you know, it's an unknown result. By and large, when you talk to Hispanics, their family values and their work ethic is not in line with liberalism. By the way, somebody just texted me and made a great point. I mentioned North Dakota last year lost population. And uh, this individual said, yeah, they lost population last year because of Biden's policies destroyed their oil industry. Great point. Fox News is reporting three Georgia men were sentenced today after being convicted in the shooting death of Ahmad Aubrey, an unarmed black man who was running through a mostly white neighborhood outside Brunswick, Georgia. Uh, Travis McMichael, 35, was convicted of murder alongside his father, Greg McMichael, 66, and neighbor William Roddy Bryan, 52. Travis McMichael, his sentence, life in prison without parole, plus 20 years. Greg McMichael, life in prison without parole, plus 20 years. William Roddy Bryan, life in prison with the possibility of parole. Uh, If you followed that case at all, it is mind-boggling how the McMichaels, especially the McMichaels. Now, this this guy Brian apparently saw what was happening and got involved in the chase and videotaped what was going on. I was, I, I I do not have enough knowledge on on that to make a real comment about his guilt how involved he was. Yeah, Clark's got their pictures up on the screen. The McMichaels are the two on the uh, left part of your screen, and uh, the uh, Bryant, William Roddy Bryant, is the one on the right. But um, what the McMichaels did is, let me put it this way, I I was not there, I did not hear the hearing, uh, but just from what I have read and seen, it seems like uh, the punishment is just. 
Town Hall is reporting in an effort to score political points against her enemies Thursday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi falsely blamed Trump supporters for the murder of Capitol Police Officer Billy Evans. This is really, talk about malfeasance and lying. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi holds a moment of silence for foreign, fa- fallen heroes of January the 6th, reading the names of Officer Brian Sicknick, Howard Leibengood, Jeffrey Smith, and Billy Evans. Evans was killed on April 2nd, 2021, by Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan devotee Noah Green. Green rammed his car into officers before he was shot. Quote U.S. Capitol Police Officer William Billy Evans, the Massachusetts native killed earlier this month in the line of duty in Washington, D.C. This is from a, 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 a Mass Live report. Died due to blunt fort trauma to the head, the district's medical examiner told news outlets after it happened. Uh, he's a 13, 18-year uh, veteran. So Nancy Pelosi blames that on Trump supporters. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker piled on, releasing this statement. Now, he revised it later after he was called to task. But he, he put this statement out, the despicable attempt on the part of former President Trump and his allies to undo what generations of Americans fought and died for, the right to free and fair elections, we'd like that too, will, strain, will stain this nation's history forever. Thankfully, the Capitol Police and every law enforcement officer and member of the U.S. military there that day stepped into the violence and successfully restored order. One of those officers who tragically lost his life that day was William Evans, a North Adams native up in Massachusetts, who uh, tragically leaves behind a beautiful family. His actions and his colleagues' actions that day will stand as a shining example of heroism and bravery. One year ago, citizens across the nation turned away the forces threatening the democratic process and saw a fair uh, saw through a fair transparent election for the most powerful office in the world blah 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 so this governor do these people not think anybody's going to fact check anything that they say i mean i know that the mainstream media kisses their rear ends up one side and down the other but you don't think that you're going to be called to task by somebody who checks the news I mean, the guy died two months later, not by from Trump supporter, but by some supporter from Nation of Islam. Pelosi said, quote, our fallen heroes of that day, January 6th, Officer Brian Sicknick, who died of a stroke the next day, died of natural causes. He was the guy that went home, called his brother, said, oh, I'm fine. Died of a stroke the next day. Officer Howard Leibengood, he committed suicide. Officer Jeffrey Smith, he also committed suicide. Why? I don't know. No comment. Officer Billy Evans died two months later. Well, almost three months later. Unbelievable. Hey, we're going to take a time out. When we get back, uh, I've got a... I put together a little story here talking about the gross hypocrisy of the Democrats when it comes to blaming Trump supporters and Republicans for what happened on January the 6th while they ignore their past pardons of terrorists and terrorist activity at our nation's capital. It's a beautiful day. 
thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news sources. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. You know, the uh, situation up in uh, Washington, D.C. on January the 6th and the rewriting of history so quickly, a little history lesson. Back in March of 1954, four Puerto Rican-Americans fired guns in the House of Representatives, injuring five congressmen. The attackers said they acted. They wanted independence uh, for Puerto Rico as a U.S. territory. The injured congressmen survived. The four shooters received prison sentences. This happened in the House of Representatives. President Jimmy Carter commuted the sentences of one of the uh, individuals in 1977, granted clemency to the other three in 1979. In March of 1971, a bomb exploded at the Capitol building, uh, causing an estimated $300,000 in damage. No one was hurt. A group calling itself the Weather Underground. Sound familiar? Yeah, Bill Ayers, very involved in Weather Underground. Bill Ayers, the buddy of Barack Obama. The so-called Weathermen were a radical faction of the Students for a Democratic Society. The the Weathermen advocated violent means to uh, transform American society. Well, isn't that special? Among the other targets of Weatherman bombings were the Long Island Courthouse, the New York Police Department headquarters, the Pentagon, the State Department, Uh, No one was killed in those bombings because the bombers always called in advance. However, three members of the Weather Underground died in uh, 1970 when the house they were in exploded because they were working on bombs. I don't think anybody shed a tear. Bill Ayers on Twitter celebrated the release of Oscar Riviera, convicted in 1981 on charges of um, conspiracy, robbery, uh, transportation of firearms, explosive charges. He was a member of the Marxist Puerto Rican nationalist group FALN. The group carried out more than 130 bombings. Uh, Guess who pardoned him? His name would be Barack Obama. Andrew McCarthy writes of the fact that Susan Rosenberg was a big-time terrorist, and uh, yet she was also pardoned by Barack Obama. Uh, go look up those names. You can read all about Susan Rosenberg and Bill Ayers and Oscar Riviera. Um, yeah, they're all blatant terrorists. It just depends on whose cow is getting gored as to whether or not Republicans or Democrats will be upset. Uh, Democrats, uh, yeah, they're upset with uh, Trump supporters and they're changing the narrative to uh, prove their point. We got to run. Have a great weekend. See ya.